0: Psalm 138, as we continue through the psalms. This was, uh, uh, from everything that can be told, it seems to be a psalm written during the Absalom Rebellion. Um, So we know it's written by David, that he's the human author of it. Of course, it's given to us by inspiration of God. And, uh, but it's definitely during a trying time. If it's not during the Absalom Rebellion, it's during a trying time, but it would seem to fit with that. And it's kind of a psalm uh, a to look at when things go wrong. Um, how many days in the year do things go perfectly for you? Um, my guess is you could probably count them, we'll say on two hands, maybe not, but, uh, or maybe more, I don't know. But like perfect days, uh, they don't seem to happen too often. Really, good days happen, and good days happen, but perfect days seem to be few and far between. Uh, and so, what, how, how do we act when things go wrong? How do we think when things go wrong? And uh, David, you know David's life. David had a uh, tumultuous life. As much as there was great things about David's life and great blessings that David saw in his life. You think of the triumph with Goliath, you think of the sitting on the throne, Uh, you think of uh, all the different things that he did, Uh, but uh, we also know that David experienced so much adversity in his life from, I believe, some time as a young person, still in his father's home, just knowing that he was the youngest of all the brothers, I'm sure he had some adversity. Uh, then we know that when he went uh, after Goliath, when he was uh, there in Saul's court, we know that didn't go smoothly. Uh, then he became king, and we know that didn't go smoothly. And and so there's a lot of adversity in David's life, and I believe that we can learn so much from the words given to us here uh, that that were going on in David's life. So... When things go wrong, let's look in the first two verses. The Bible says, "I will praise thee with my whole heart; before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified my word above all thy word above all thy name." We see a uh, glimpse of gladness here, and when you know when we going through a time of adversity, when things are going wrong. It's oftentimes hard for us to be glad. Yet David here is an example to us, and he says, I will praise thee, and he says with my whole heart. And so we understand here that here, not only did he commit to be glad, he understood there was a need to worship. It wasn't just a a fake smile, because if we're not worshiping God, we're going to have a hard time being glad. And so the worship ultimately is what brings the praise. But there's a commitment to it here from David. He says, I will. I will praise thee with my whole heart. I'm not going to go into it half-heartedly. A lot of times we'll say, well, uh, it happens a lot on Sundays where we're dragging ourselves out of bed and we're coming to church and, and we've had issues in the mornings. That's just the way it works, uh, at least for, for good Christians. Uh, Sunday, Sunday comes with adversity. Uh, and, and i I say that somewhat half heartedly when I say good Christians, but Satan attacks. And, uh, and so we have issues and then we get to church and it's like, okay, I'm here and I know I need to be present and I know I need to listen and I know I need to sing and I know I need to do these things. So I'm going to do them, but we still do them half heartedly. We're not actually worshiping God and we're definitely not worshiping with our whole heart. We're giving some effort, but we're not committed to the cause. We're not committed to the purpose. And he says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Uh, Before the gods, I will sing uh, praise unto thee. And then he understands worship in verse 2, where he says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. So he understands what he's worshiping. He understands the purpose behind the worship. He understands the worthiness of the worship. And in doing so, it, it does, I believe, make him glad. It's, it's the praise that he's giving. When you look to praise God, uh, that means you're thanking him in some way, shape, or form. And so if you're going to start thanking God and you're going to start listing the things that you're thankful for, it's hard to not get glad. Uh, it's hard to be grumpy when you're saying, Lord, thank you for, and you begin to list the things you're thankful for. Uh, now, if we're going to God and we're praying about needs or adversity that we're in, sure, we may not be as happy because we're, we're looking at our, our, uh, our issues. But when we're saying, Lord, thank you for, it changes our complexion. And so this worship that he was giving and he looked at it and he said, God, you've, you're loving kindness and your truth is what I'm worshiping. Those two things alone will bring gladness to a Christian's heart. And we look at the, um, it says, For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. To look at the truth in God and all that God has done, to look at his mercy, his grace, his loving kindness, those are all coupled together. uh, and, And truth that God has given, it's going to bring gladness to the heart. Number two, we see grace. Verse number three, he says, In the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. Again, I think, at least I always, when I read stuff like this, talking about in my soul, to me it's the deepest part of me. And so when he says to him that you strengthened in my soul, you've given me strength in my soul, That's not just a um, exterior help. It is is a full help. He, He went into my soul and he strengthened it. He gave me the strength that I needed in my soul to continue. The strength that I needed in my soul to be glad. The strength that I needed in my soul to accomplish whatever it is that I'm working to accomplish. And he says, when I cried, you answered me. And you strengthened me. He cried for strength. That's what he was asking for and he says, when I cried, you answered me, and you strengthened me, uh, and you strengthened me with the strength in my soul. So you've given me what I need to continue on. David is an interesting one. If you, if you read historians on David, you'll see um, physical ailments. You'll see emotional, um, I don't know if breakdown's the right word, um, but you'll see just a lot of stress, which makes sense when you read David's life. Um, but it just, in the, in most of that comes in times of sin. Uh, we know that he struggled a lot in times of sin. Uh, but then there were other things that were just adversity, that was life adversity, like with the Absalom Rebellion uh, and with other friends that, that told lies about him and tried to tear his name down and all the other things that happened. But um, you see that in him. So when you, when you read of David, when you read through Psalms, when you read through Samuel even, and you're reading about David... I think that we can, can look at him and put him in the place and understand that the, because a lot of people today struggle with emotional strength. Uh, I don't know if fortitude is the right word, probably isn't. Um, but depression and, and anxiety and those sorts of things. I think we see it clearly in David's life where he goes through all these emotions and all these thoughts and all these things in his mind. And so when we see him praying and seeking God, we see him begging God. God, I need strength because I don't have it. He's not asking, in most cases, for more strength. He's saying, and I, I, I'm putting my opinion into this, but I believe it to be true, that he's saying that I'm empty and I need you to fill me because I have no strength left. I, I'm weak, I am, I'm near to death. He talks about that in several of the different psalms. Uh, and, and so we see him here saying, Lord, when I cried, you answered me. That's grace. I cried, you answered me, and you gave me what I needed. And then we see the third thing uh, here. As things go wrong, we see gladness in his heart. We see the grace that God gave. Uh, In verse 4 and 5, we see glory. Uh, Look in verse number 4. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Um, When you look at glory to God, there's always things you can look back to to give God glory for. You can always go back in history, always go back in the past, you can always go back to the things that God did in the Old Testament, the New Testament, in your life, in other people's lives. You go, boy, God gets the glory for that. But one of the things that we see here is not just in what has happened, but in anticipation of what will happen. Giving glory to God for what will come. This is an area that in the last uh, 10, 12 years of my life, I've grown in, to understand that to be able to look ahead and thank the Lord and give glory to God for the things that will occur, even though I don't know what they are. And it's not easy always to do that, but when you have faith and confidence that God is going to do and fulfill uh, his will in your life, you can go ahead and give him glory for that. You don't have to wait for it to happen. And so he says here in verse number five, uh, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. All the kings of the earth, a lot of people think this is looking prophetically to what will happen, what is to come. Um, because in this day and time, obviously not all kings of the earth were giving glory to God. Not all the kings in the earth were singing praise to God. Not all, not, not all the kings in the earth were worshiping God. And, and so it seems to be a look ahead to when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. Um, But it's glory for the anticipation of what will happen, not just for the things that have happened. Fourthly, in this psalm, we see, um, to stick with the G's, government, uh, or God's uh, control, uh, verse number 6 and verse number 7. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me, Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the way of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. He points out here that God is high and we are low. Um, and again, it's, it's, if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. And uh, the understanding of God's position versus our position. And he says that even though you're high, Lord, though, though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. Uh, And the proud is far from God. God hates pride. God uh, uh, knows that that the devil uses pride as a temptation and that it's one that gets a lot of people. And God tries to teach us throughout Scripture the importance of not being prideful. And so he says here in Psalm, God is high and he is close to those who are low. He hath respect unto those that are lowly. Unto those that are, are, are humble, God listens and hears and responds to. But he says there that the, uh, the, uh, the proud, he knoweth afar off, showing the separation from the prideful and God. And then in verse 7, we see David's confidence or faith you can use either word. I think both is, is fine. I think I'm, I'm using it the same way. Uh, but he says there, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou stretch forth thine hand against the, ra- the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. David, going through adversity, is confident of a couple things. Number one, he's confident that he's part of the lowly. Um, he has faith in, that he is in a position that God is pleased with. And then secondly, he has faith that God is going to take care of him. And he says, you're going to save me. He says that you're going to take care of my enemies. He says that you're going to revive me. It's interesting, the word revive, and you think of the the word revival that gets thrown around churches so often. And uh, part of having revival is understanding you need to be revived. It's, it's similar to uh, evangelism when you, uh, in order to be saved, you have to come to the understanding that you need to be saved, that, that you're not worthy of God, that you can't attain God. You, you cannot say, I'm good enough to get to heaven and get saved. It doesn't work that way. You have to be low, become lowly, and understand, I am not worthy, And David here, not not in the sense of spiritual salvation, but here David came to the realization, I am lowly. And because God respects the lowly, he's going to revive me. And he's going to save me. And he's going to take care of mine enemies. A lot of Christians struggle with faith and confidence in God that he is going to take care of their problem because they're too prideful to admit they can't take care of their problem so in doubting God it is as much of doubting God as it is in not doubting themselves and they'll say well I'm not sure that God's going to answer this one and I guarantee you a Christian who says that is a Christian who's trying to figure it out for themselves but David had the confidence I'm not trying to figure it out I'm lowly the Lord respects the lowly He will revive me. He will save me. It has nothing to do with David. He's not saying, I will get through this. I will persevere. Uh, I will fight back. I will whatever. No, it's God's going to take care of it. He's in control. And that brings us to verse number eight in growth. When we're trying to get through things, when things are going wrong, we have to have some growth through the adversity. Verse 8 says, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. He knows that God is going to, to make him come out of the situation better. Because God does not allow us to go through trials without growing us. God will not have you go through a trial and pull you out of that trial without there being growth. Sometimes that's why we stay in the trial longer than we would have to, (laughs) because we're refusing to grow. I've always heard the term, uh, my faith was stretched. And uh, and I understand that term, and I understand the the picture behind it. Um, But, you know, when you think of stretched, sometimes, I don't know about you, when I think of the word stretched, I usually think this way, which I guess is growth. If you go wider, uh, the Lord has stretched me over the years. But uh, stretched But the other thing is stretched you, bring you taller, grow you. Uh, growing your faith through the adversity, through the trial, and you looking to God and saying, God, I, I can't do anything about this. Lord, I need you to help me. And He does. You know what that does? That strengthens our faith. Because now we're going, I asked God, and he heard me, and he saved me, and he brought me out of it. And so the next time we go through an adversity, we're reminded of what God did in the last adversity. And we can go to him, and that builds that confidence, and it builds that faith, and it grows us in the way we should go. You know, when we go through uh, things, when when things are going wrong, if we can come to the realization that even though it's going wrong for us, it's not going wrong for God and have the, the faith that if I'll just continue obeying Him or start obeying Him, uh, then I'm going to come out of this, and God's going to take care of me, and I'm going to come out of it better than I was before I came into it. And I'll tell you, you know, I pastored now for 12 years, and I've learned... Um, I've just learned that people, you know, they—it's always worse. That's the way they look at it. I mean, I've been through hardships before, but not like this. And 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 I've learned that there's a lot of people that go through hardships that I've never experienced before. And it's impossible for me to sit next to them and say I understand what you're going through. And thankfully, I've learned not to say that if it's not true. (laughs) Um, But again, it's not about a pastor. Ultimately, it's not even about you. It's about God and who God is and what God is capable of. So when we enter into adversity, and sometimes that adversity lasts a whole lot longer than we want it to. I go back to Job and I just think, my goodness, we saw Job get dragged through it, don't we? And I guarantee you it went on a lot longer than Job would have liked. I know it did just because you can read through it. Um, You know, when everything first happened, and I mean, it was boom, 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 one thing after the other. Uh, As soon as that person got done talking, another one came and more bad news. And we see Job's response. And Job so humbly just gives it over to God. But then it gets worse. And it drags on. And it gets harder. We have to remain in that initial Job stage where he says, hey, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter what I'm going through, blessed be the name of the Lord. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Because when things are going wrong for us, they're not going wrong for God. And God has a purpose for it. Sometimes it is discipline. It's, not, it's definitely not always discipline. Sometimes it is discipline. Sometimes it is just pure and simple Growth education, training. And uh, we have to understand that we're not in control of the situation. And all we can do is lean on him and worship him and seek his grace, give him glory, trust in his control, and ultimately grow through it all. And if we can do that, uh, I guarantee you we can look back on it and see the goodness of God through it all. Um, And that's, that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, Any final prayer requests that we need to add that hasn't been mentioned?